And we are live. So, man, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I have to um, I have to start drinking tea for some of these shows. For uh, those of you who care, um, uh, I'm training for a race coming up in November, and I'm really going at it. And um, the training for me, um, especially outdoors on the East Coast, it's it's pretty warm. It's it's not as hot if you're if you're in the West Coast of the United States right now, where I think um, it's upwards of 130 miles, uh, 130 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. But you know we're looking at in the 90s, close to 100. And um, like today, uh, I actually woke up tired. Like I, I got eight hours of sleep, and I woke up and I was still exhausted. So I need some tea to make sure that uh, I'm more articulate. It's too late at night for coffee and, uh, you know, it lays too heavily in the stomach, but I'm going to have to get some black tea and, uh, yeah, go from there for these types of shows that are carrying over late, especially when I'm doing the late show uh, with Rod uh, over in L.A. So welcome to another episode of an American Werewolf in New Jersey podcast. Interrogative. What do you do when you have a movie that you want to cover and nobody else owns the movie and, you know, you don't want people to have to spend money to come on your show to discuss a movie? I mean, it's not, it's not worth all that um, or anything like that. Well, what do you do when no one else has access to this movie that you want to cover? Well, my solution to that is that I cover the movie on my own, uh, independently. And that's what I'm doing today. Uh, I am going to be covering 2001's From Hell, and let's get to it. So this will be the first of two Hughes Brothers movies that we cover this week. I love the Hughes Brothers. I think that they're uh, fantastic directors, and I'm looking forward to getting into this episode. This movie, actually, from hell, is 20 years old. It was made in 2001, and I am a 1,000% positive um, that this is a movie that could not, under any circumstances, get made today. Um, you will never, no one, no uh, movie studio would greenlight um, a movie like this. And and that's a shame because it's actually, it's not the greatest movie um, that I've ever seen um, in the way that you think it would be. Um, the, the story uh, is basically about, in, in an overt sense, it's about um, the Jack the Ripper murders that gripped the Whitechapel district in London um, at the end of the 19th century, I believe. And you've got um, those murders uh, taking place um, and the police department, Whitechapel Police Department, attempting to solve them. Um, hold on a second. We've got some comments here. Uh, Divine Will Arrow, we've got Mike in the house. He's saying, hmm. Yeah, I don't know that Mike is necessarily a fan of horror films, but uh, thanks for stopping in anyway. And then we got Eric. Eric's in the house. Haven't seen this since theaters. I remember really liking the ending. Yeah, it's an interesting flick. It wasn't what, watching it again, I hadn't seen it for a long time. 
Um, it, it wasn't what I remember it as, uh, so to speak. So let's see what ends up happening here. You've got the Hughes brothers uh, who, by definition, just make these gritty, uh, brutally realistic uh, kind of movies. You've got the Whitechapel police um, led by Inspector Abilene. Well, wait, before, before we get into that, we should say that this is based on the graphic novel by Alan Moore. And I am lucky enough uh, to own a hardcover edition of From Hell. Um, it is a fantastic read. It's about six or 700 pages. Um, this is not your average uh, graphic novel. It's done uh, all in black and white, um, but it's an Alan Moore story. So it is just um, an amazing uh, piece of uh, work. And ultimately, when you get to any type of film, uh, what you're looking at is storytelling. Um, and this is the creme de la creme uh, of storytelling. And the movie does a passable job. Um, of course, you know, as always, the book is almost always better. So you've got uh, Inspector Abilene, who was the real live detective in charge of the Ripper case. Um, he's being portrayed by Johnny Depp. Uh, 20 years ago, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp kind of at the top of his game right about then, probably one of the last times that he played the straight man um, when he did The Night Gate um, and a couple of other movies. Um, and then, of course, Disney grabbed him and took over with Pirates of the Caribbean. And I still like those Pirates of the Caribbean movies. They're, they're fun. They're silly, you know. Um, but, you know, then he started veering off in the direction with Tim Burton and making these absurdist kind of things. But it, there used to be a time when Johnny Depp played uh, the straight man. And what would happen is uh, he would make these small, more independent uh, features instead of the big blockbusters. And they were really good. Now, originally, the Hughes brothers uh, were looking at Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, 20 years ago, Daniel Day-Lewis... Uh, playing Inspector Abilene, uh, that really would have been something to see because Daniel Day-Lewis, as far as I'm concerned, can do anything. Um, he's just uh, an amazing performer, and I think he's retired now from acting. Um, he's like making shoes now or something. That's he, The guy's just an artist. Um, so he's retired from acting. I think he's won two or three Academy Awards, and he just left while he's on top. Um, if you get a chance, there's my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis movie, I think, is The Boxer. And if you get an opportunity to watch that, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I have to own it, a uh, physical copy. Um, yeah, it doesn't work uh, for me on streaming. I have to have a copy of that in my hand. Now, one of the criticisms that Alan Moore had, and Alan Moore has a criticism about everything, uh, was that Johnny Depp uh, was not the person that he portrayed as Inspector Abilene. Uh, he plays, you know, Johnny Depp's a skinny guy. You know, he's kind of a dandy. You know, he's smoking cigarettes and wisecracking. Um, although, you know, it's, it's serious subject matter. Uh, he manages to relate a little humor into there. Uh, but he's also addicted to uh, opium. Um, you know, he's, he's smoking opium. He's in the opium, opium dens, and he's mourning the loss of his wife. That wasn't really who Inspector Abilene was um, in, the, in the book. He was much more of a gruff, uh, rough, uh, rough around the edges, smack some punks around uh, kind of police detective. He was an intelligent man. Um, he wasn't, you know, just a flat foot, uh, but he wasn't, you know, some pretty dandy. And I think that's how um, Alan Moore described him. Now, I said initially they were looking at Daniel Day-Lewis, but another person that they were looking at was Sean Connery. And Sean Connery would have been the epitome uh, of a, an Inspector Abilene. 
Um, that would have been fantastic. And I would have loved to have seen uh, Sean Connery just smacking people around. Uh, but it would have been a completely different type of movie. This is a very graphic and brutal uh, movie. It is just a merciless uh, depiction of life at the end of the 19th century in the Whitechapel district of London. Um, there is nothing redeeming uh, about uh, living there at this time. You literally do get the impression that you are getting um, a crow's eye, a crow's nest view um, of hell. Um, but uh, again, Sean Connery was another consideration for Inspector Aberline. Another one was Brad Pitt, which I really don't see. Um, you know, it's, it's Brad Pitt. And for all the obvious reasons, I don't think that would work. Another uh, consideration uh, was Jude Law. Um, Jude Law, I'm trying to think. I mean, can Jude Law pay it, play it that way? Maybe. I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, at least he would have had a British accent. So I could have gotten behind it for that reason. Now, throughout television and movies, there have been a number of depictions uh, of the Inspector Aberline character. Um, one of my favorites um, is a, tele a BBC television series called Ripper Street, which I think is five seasons and it's usually on Netflix and this is just one of the great underrated series uh, that I've ever had the opportunity to watch and it begins in the first episode of the first season about six months after uh, the last Ripper killing and the Whitechapel police are beginning to have to accept that they're not going to be able to solve this case. Inspector Aberline is not the main character in Ripper Street. He's a recurring character. Um, and that's one of the tough things for him because he's in the very first episode and they think that they have a lead. But of course, it turns out to be, um, you know, um, you know, fool's gold. Um, I, I don't think anybody conclusively uh, solved the Ripper murders, but um, there was something about five years ago, I think, where somebody said that uh, he, the reason he was never caught is because he got on a boat to America, that sort of thing. And the final depiction I want to talk about today uh, of Inspector Aberline is Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving plays Inspector Aberline in Benicio Del Toro's The Wolfman. And he's fresh uh, a few years off of the Ripper case, and he's investigating the murders um, that are happening there on Sir John's estate, uh, Anthony Hopkins' estate, and you know, obviously, it's a it's a it's a werewolf uh, kind of story. So, though there there are plenty of depictions of Aberlon. I appreciate it in the Wolfman, and I, I hate to do this. I probably will end up covering um, the Wolfman in the something shitty uh, this way comes subthread because it's just one of those movies that you want to like, but. And I own it. Uh, I think I've owned it on Blu-ray. I, I might—I don't think I had it on VHS, but I've owned it on DVD, and now I own it on Blu-ray. And then I own it on Blu-ray with like uh, extended edition. And it, it's—it was like Stoker's Dracula, you know. Once a year, you'd pop it in and say, "Okay, this is—I'm going to like it this time. I'm going to find something to like this time." And you'd never make it through uh, halfway. But I do appreciate the fact that uh, they connected a real-life historical police detective. Uh, to sort of lend a little authenticity to the murders uh, that were happening uh, in The Wolfman. So there's that. So this movie starts off with a very stylized depiction um, of New York. And you can see right there, that's a scene, that's kind of the opening scene um, to the movie. And it, it looks almost like uh, Stoker's Dracula. 
except for this, except to say that really, I, I like this more than Stoker's Dracula because you're not dealing with something supernatural. Um, and at this particular age, the things that people do actually scare me a lot more than vampires and werewolves and, you know, those sorts of things. Um, its depiction of life, especially for women, um, is just brutal and merciless. Um, they're called unfortunates, uh, which doesn't seem to stop anyone from... Um, just every time, I don't want to get into too much, but every type of vile, evil thing that can be done to these women is done. Um, they're prostitutes, and if you um, understood anything about the Jack the Ripper murders, he killed prostitutes, uh, five of them specifically, and this is those women um, being played out uh, on the big screen. And what the Hughes brothers did was just put together a story where it is just, it's dystopian. It's dystopian. Um, there's just extreme abuse of every possible kind. Um, you know, they, they, they're making money on these filthy streets where people are just vomiting and passing out and urinating and I guess defecating and whatever. And they're, you know, they're basically having sex in alleyways and, you know, after it's over with, you know, the guy will throw a couple of coins on the ground and then, you know, this gang will come along um, and, you know, then steal their money and threaten them for the extortion if they don't come up with a certain amount of money. And they're, they're just doing it because they're evil um, and they can. Um, but the premise for the story essentially is that the woman on the left, uh, Anne, has had a baby from a, with a rich man. And they have been married uh, in a church, in a Catholic church, uh, in front of witnesses. And what this turns out to be is the heir to the throne of England who is indulging his nightlife and uh, unfortunately has contracted syphilis. And so the establishment of the British government uh, from the monarchy all the way down to the police um, have descended on the prince and this woman and separated them. Um, they actually lobotomized the woman uh, with a whole saw. It, it's just, it's, it's unbelievably brutal uh, what happens. Um, and the, the, the rather dismissive way uh, that they get into it by saying, hey, you know, this woman's, you know, suffering from hysteria. Well, she's not suffering from hysteria. You know, 10 guys burst into a room and dragged her out of the room naked. Uh, you know, while she was having sex with this man, she believes, you know, is authentically her husband. Um, but of course, you know, they're not going to allow the heir to the throne to marry a, uh, a prostitute. Uh, that, that's never going to happen. Um, so what ends up happening is um, the Ripper uh, is part of the British establishment who is taking revenge on these women, one for... Um, you know, giving the, the Prince Syphilis, of which he's going to die for because syphilis was a uh, was a fatal disease back then, uh, one for having a baby uh, with a prostitute out of wedlock and threatening to bring down the, the monarchy. And, um, you know, just the fact that he's, he's fucking insane. He, he's Jack the Ripper. Um, the police, um, you're just dealing with this uh, systemic ineptitude with the exception of two people, really. Um, you've got... Um, Johnny Depp, 
And then you've got the fantastic Robbie Coltrane, who, you know, in more modern times, we know him as Hagrid uh, from the Harry Potter series. And they are competent uh, police officers uh, attempting to solve the case, but they are met by the politics of the time because nobody really cares about prostitutes and the men will just openly tell you that. Um, they're happy, they, they refuse to believe that, you know, an educated man could do this because it was that classist sort of society uh, living that was going on back then. Um, so it's just, they dismiss out of hand that this could be an educated man. Um, and so this allows Jack the Ripper um, to just go around and mangle um, these women. Uh, but more than that, I mean, you're just seeing, you know, it's not like, you know, they live, you know, in a, in a cottage or something like that. And then, you know, uh, Jack the Ripper is doing this every day of these girls' lives is just hell. Um, I was watching something the other day. I was watching another movie and we're going to cover it uh, on Thursday. And I was just saying how hellish it must have been to be alive back then. Um, that's just, that's, that's unbelievable uh, how brutal um, it must have been. Um, I don't use words uh, like this very often because I think in today's society it gets tossed around a little too easily. Um, and it's just basically about the weight of accusation to back a person up. But this is um, extreme uh, misogyny. And it's just, it's, it's rough stuff to watch. Um, the main character uh, in terms of the prostitutes is Heather Graham. Uh, she plays Mary Kelly, who I believe was one of the women who was killed by Jack the Ripper. Um, She's a little out of place, um, simply because she's so damn beautiful. Um, I, she doesn't seem to be a, um, a newbie uh, to the streets, and it seems unlikely that, you know, she would have been able to maintain her looks or, you know, keep that soft, gentle, you know, sort of Heather Graham sort of beautiful um, for very long uh, out there. Um, and here's another thing. I mean, you could say this too, and I know this a little bit from experience in my professional life. You know, women that are at this level, yes, uh, are they victims? Yes, absolutely. Are they a tad predatory themselves uh, because of, you know, what their upbringing is? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, but it's just, it's sad and it's infuriating and it's, it's tough to watch um, what happens to these. So you get wrapped up in that almost as much as you get wrapped up in the Ripper story. And in the end, we find out that the Ripper uh, is Sir William Gull, who in this movie is portrayed by Ian Holm. Um, now, we all know, uh, as horror fans, that Ian Holm knows how to play evil because he was the um, evil little gremlin, uh, Ash, from Alien, uh, without a trace of humanity in him. So we know that. But by the time he gets to this movie, he's already 71 years old. Um, and he's also playing Bilbo Baggins at this point in Lord of the Rings. So, you know, maybe he's, you know, not exactly cast as the right person. Uh, probably I would have picked up somebody a little bit younger, uh, maybe a little more able-bodied, um, that kind of thing. Um, now, originally, I think one of the intentions for casting was Sir Nigel Hawthorne, the great and legendary Sir Nigel Hawthorne, but... You know, that's just, that's kind of the way it worked out. And Sir Nigel Hawthorne was uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so, you know, he withdrew and they cast Ian Holm. So you find out who the, um, who the Ripper is. And then what ends up happening is, 
the system, the entire system, because essentially this is a task that's been given to Ian Holmes or William Go uh, by the Masons, the Masonic Lodge, which at that time was a much more esoteric uh, society, you know, given only to, you know, the, the upper elites. Um, they, they basically shut him down. And he gets lobotomized himself by his own people because he's gone too far. Maybe he was supposed to, you know, eliminate those women, but not in the way that he ended up doing. So, you know, that's kind of how the movie ends. The system closes uh, down uh, Sir William Gull and the movie kind of ends. And uh, excuse me. Um, Heather Graham, Mary Kelly, uh, ends up surviving and making it back to Ireland um, with a bittersweet uh, kind of ending. Again, um, this isn't a this isn't a scary movie. Uh, it is, but it isn't. But it's just the what makes it scary is its brutality, its brutality, and its complete lack of uh, empathy or sympathy or mercy um, that is shown to any of these women um, in, in this in this particular time. Uh, of the world. I, I don't know if that's accurate. I, I'm fair to say that it, I, I'm inclined to say that probably it was very similar to that. Um, you know, when we see a lot of, you know, Downton Abbey and, you know, or we see Stoker's Dracula, you know, they're gentlemen walking down the streets. But I mean, you know, top hats and, you know, society people and these sorts of things. But these people who lived, you know, as, you know, the poorest of the poor, um, you know, it's just, it's hell. And so I, I literally, when they say from hell, um, you know, it's not necessarily just an issue of the Ripper murders. It's just about life um, in general uh, at that particular time and under the context of these particular murders. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, it's worthwhile. Uh, that's pretty much all for me right now. We'll be back on Wednesday with... Uh, my man, Rajin Charles, he'll be back, and that's always a good thing. And we'll be doing, uh, again, another Hughes Brothers movie, The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington. And I'm always happy to do some Hughes Brothers, and I'm happy to do some Denzel Washington, always, always, always. And then on Thursday, <clears throat> Hammer Time returns, and we're going to be working with um, my man, Ryan Daly, and we're going to be covering Oliver Reed in Curse of the Werewolf. So like this video, if you'd be so kind, uh, subscribe to the channel if you think it's worth your time and uh, take care, everybody. Happy Monday.